Hi guys and gals and welcome back to the Endurance House Podcast. We are on episode 30, the big 3-0. Um, pretty exciting to hit that hit that number. Um, this week we have Rory O'Flaherty and the Badger Mountain 100, which is a Eastern Washington 100 miler. Um, big shout out to Rory. He is our newest Patreon member. So thank you so much, Rory. Um, and he digs into... I won't give away too much, but the lead up to his first hundred miler, um, I think a lot of people will appreciate his story because we all kind of lived through something similar with COVID last year. Um, I'll let Rory dive a little bit deeper into how it all came about for him. But like I said, I think, I think many of us in the endurance sports world will, um, definitely understand and sympathize with how Rory got to where he got in 2021 with the Badger Mountain 100. So um, stay tuned and and listen in for Rory's report here in a second. Um, as always, we want to do a big shout out to our sponsor, Buffalo Bluffs Hemp. This is an extra special shout out because Kurt and Crystal, the owner's and I think I've mentioned this in the past, but they are ultra runners. They are our people and they are a small independent company that is producing amazing CBD products out of Southern Illinois. Um, a big shout out to them on the birth of their third little boy this past week. So when you guys are thinking about using a product like this, you know, supporting a small, company that's supporting a growing family that is making, you know, all natural, amazing CBD products. Um, if you, if you can please support them, they're doing amazing things and so knowledgeable and they have great products. Like I've said in the past, I live off of their tinctures to help me sleep. They've also got products for dogs as well. Um, Reach out to Kurt. He is more than happy to walk you through and, and help you find the products that you need for yourself as an athlete or just as an everyday person trying to optimize them and improve. Um, so anyway, the Endurance House is our code. Just type that in, 20% off your first order. And with that happy news out of the way, uh, let's let Rory take it away and tell us about the Badger Mountain 100 and a little bit of his backstory on how he got there. Hey guys, my name is Rory O'Flaherty. I'm an ultra runner based in Seattle, Washington. I'm going to talk a little bit today about the Badger Mountain Challenge 100. I got into trail running uh, like a lot of people through, you know, doing the half marathon thing, working my way up to a half marathon, uh, kind of a midlife thing to do to get in shape after having uh, my first child, uh, our first child, and seeing a picture of myself and not really liking everything I saw there. Um, and so I got into, I got into running and I got into it a little deeper and a little deeper. And of course, I was trying to read everything I could, the typical stuff, born to run, ultra marathon man, Trail Runner magazine, Ultra Runner magazine, and just thought it was incredible that you could run 50 miles, you know, in the 
and the trails. And uh, so I decided to uh, to just go big one day, and I signed up for a trail marathon here locally. And I uh, didn't tell anyone about it because I didn't want to, if I failed, I didn't want to uh, have anyone know that I even tried. So um, that went well. I think I finished, I think I totally bonked and ended up walking quite a bit around mile 18 or whatever, but ended up finishing strong a little over five hours or something. Um, and then, so that kind of lit the spark for ultra running for me. And then, uh, my first actual ultra was in May of 2017, uh, the Sun Mountain 50K, beautiful Winthrop, Washington. It's a rain shadow running race. I highly, highly recommend any of their races. They're in beautiful locations. Uh, there's wood fired pizza at the finish line, local craft beer. If that's your jam, it's definitely my jam. So, um, I got into the Sun Mountain 50K and a good buddy of mine, uh, Doug came out from Wisconsin. Another buddy of mine, Aaron came out from Wisconsin and it was all of our uh, first ultra. And, uh, I struggled. I mean, I think I had, there was one point at which, um, late in the final cutoff, I like pulled into the aid station and I was like, did I make it? And, uh, they're like, yeah, you got 15 minutes. You just need to get out of here. Um, I was just so relieved and ended up finishing that day. I mean, I was damn near DFL. I maybe like two people finished behind me. Um, but I was hooked after that, you know, sitting there post race, just what I'd, I'd accomplished and, uh, just, you know, meeting some really cool people on the trails and along the way. And then post race having beers with people that I, you know, just met. Um, I was def that definitely set the hook. Um, so fast forward a little bit to, uh, you know, so I knocked out a bunch of 50Ks, 50 miles, even worked my way up to, uh, I ran, a, I ran the Miwok 100K uh, Western States Qualifier in 2019 and uh, qualified for Western States. I think you got to run a 1530. I ran like a 15, I think I, I don't know, I think I had 12 minutes to spare. It wasn't a ton of time, um, but I was pretty stoked about that. I think I ran the Rocky 50 miler a little over 10 hours. Um, that one's pretty flat, just a ton of roots. Uh, and basically, so let's fast forward to like 2020. And this was supposed to be the year of the buckle for me. Um, I set it on my Strava. I, I was like, I am going to run a hundred miles this year. Um, but guess what? You know, COVID had different ideas. Um, pretty bummed out initially with, with COVID and, and just tried to kind of run my way through the little bit of that depression that we all kind of went through. And, um, I was basically still at this point just desperate to run an ultra. And so it's kind of embarrassing how many, uh, ultras I, uh, 100 milers I signed up for. Um, basically any race, 50k, 50 mile that would take my money. Um, I did it. I think I had, 
I had two races give me refunds. I think I donated two of the entry fees. I took rollovers on two of the races. Um, I think I got waitlisted on three of the wait races. Um, and so the two rollovers was the Badger Mountain 100 Challenge here in uh, the Tri-Cities in Washington. It's in Richland, Washington. Um, and then the other one was the Kettle Moraine 100. Uh, so I, I, uh, sent out a little thing on Strava, just asking any of my followers if they happen to know of, uh, any races that were going to actually happen within, uh, 500 miles of Seattle. I was willing to drive and I had one follower, um, Carrie mentioned that I, that, um, the old Cascadia, uh, I think it's a 50 mile or 50 K kind of in central Oregon and the cascades down there was actually going to happen. So I went right to the website didn't even look at the elevation gain or anything and just said, Hey, 50 miles, boom, put down my money. Um, well come to find out it's, it's a pretty gnarly race. It's about 12,500 feet of, uh, elevation gain. Um, and so I got into that bad boy and finally I had a race to run in 2020. It was, uh, October, uh, I think early October. And so that's much later than they normally have that race. Um, so I get there and it's, uh, pouring rain, just coming down in buckets and the, the, uh, the trail, the initial trail as we're ascending the mountain is like a river running down. I mean, it's gnarly. There's no way to stay dry. Your shoes, everything. It's just, I've got some pretty sweet pictures of what a starting line, uh, pouring rain looks like. Um, so anyways, conditions were abysmal. Uh, we get up to, I get up and I crest this first mountain. There's some trees, there's a little bit of tree cover, and I kind of pull over and just kind of laugh to myself at what I've gotten myself into and, you know, tell myself, you know, you wanted this, you, you, uh, you signed up for this, you're gonna, you're gonna finish this. Um, yeah, I was just laughing like a madman to myself. It's kind of funny. <laughs> um, but I just figured, you know, if I can keep up my core temp all day, um, you know, I think I got a chance here. And so I did that. I uh, got to the, the one major aid station where you could have a drop bag. I think it was mile 30 rolled in there. And, uh, kind of a funny story about that race. This guy was running kind of near me. The dude didn't bring a single goo or he had no nutrition of any sort. Um, there were stretches of more than 10 miles between aid. <laughs> And these are like 3,000, 3,500 foot climbs, like in the Cascades, like the dude didn't bring any food. I just thought I'd mention that because I've never heard of such a thing. Um, anyways, I got to this 30 mile aid station, got some ramen in me, some hot, you know, some fluids, got a change of clothes. Uh, it was a complete game changer. Um, but the the climbing and the and the mountains and everything it wasn't done um i got up into the high reaches of the mountains it started sleeting um there was hail uh there was snow 
<laughs> it was pretty crazy. Um, and so I survived this crazy day in the mountains with abysmal conditions in a 50 mile race. Um, and I, and it gave me just a ton of confidence about what I could withstand and, uh, what I could, what I could do if I put my mind to it. Um, and so getting back to those two rollovers that I had from 2020, so now we're in 2021, and I had originally, my rollover for the Badger Mountain Challenge was actually a 55K tune-up. It was going to be my tune-up for Kettle Moraine, but uh, my buddy Doug and I, um, wanting to run our first 100 together, we just decided to go for it. You know, we'd been cooped up for over a year, and so we just decided let's let's do this Badger Mountain. Let's just do the hundred mile instead. And so um, this hundred miler is actually uh, slated for March. So a little harder for him training through the winter and whatnot. Um, I can run year round in Seattle. You know, it's it's no problem. We get like one one hot stretch in the summer and maybe one snowfall in the winter. Um, so it's kind of ideal for running. Um, so Doug flies out in March and, uh, grab him at SeaTac and we head over to Richland, Washington. Um, I would describe this area as Eastern Washington. I would say, uh, you know, when you think of the Pacific Northwest or Seattle, it's very green. It's very much uh the rain kind of gets trapped in between the olympic mountains and the cascade mountains and we're kind of in that green path um but once you go east of the cascades uh it's pretty arid it's pretty dry it's uh it's different it's sagebrush it's there's desert out there um i would consider this like I don't know if it's desert, but definitely close and it's sagebrush. And the real um, kicker of this race is there's just no shade. There's no hiding from the sun, you know, and, and it can really, uh, can really make your day rough. So um, it's rugged country over there. Um, so kind of the course, there's, uh, basically there's three small mountains to climb. Uh, the first of which is Badger, the second of which is Candy, and the third, which is, uh, McBee. Uh, the McBee one is like a thousand feet of climb in like 0.8 miles. It's no joke. It's straight up. <clears throat> so, and then the course is a 25 mile out, 25 mile back. And then, uh, repeat. <laughs> so that's how you get a hundred miles. Um, so you're seeing the front side of the mountain, the back side of the mountain, you know, twice in eat, you know, and then vice versa. So you get to see the same thing quite a bit. Um, and it can, it can get old after a while, actually. Uh, a quick thing about the race, the RD's uh, name is Jason Rutherford, puts on a hell of a race. It's a, it's, it's definitely, um, coming from Seattle, I'm used to kind of a certain type of mountains and this was completely different. These are small mountains, um, but they're still mountains and 
the the course itself has a, a certain kind of beauty and a certain kind of ruggedness. And those people over in Eastern Washington are hard scrabble folks. And, uh, you know, this is what they have to work with and they make it happen. And, uh, just wanted to give a shout out to the RD and the race. And, um, it's a really cool event. I would recommend it. <clears throat> so, there's also, so I talked about the first two mountains, Badger Mountain, Candy Mountain, and then you kind of run through these vineyards. Um, this is wine country over here, and they're called the Endless Vineyards because they go on and on and on. Then you hit some ridiculous, steep as shit Jeep roads that are straight up and down. Um, there's rocks too, so it's not like, like you have to kind of bomb it because they're so steep. But you also have to be careful not to trip over rocks. Um, and then finally, uh, you climb that thousand foot gain on McBee, and then you run the top along uh, the top of this ridge to a butte, uh, um, and that's twenty five miles. Now just head back the way you came and do it again. This race uh, is a hundred miles. They give you thirty two hours to accomplish this. It's not an easy course. It's a hard course. Uh, I think there's 16,600 feet of gain. Uh, definitely that's what Strava is going to give us. They, they claim a little less than that. So um, I didn't do a ton of climbing for this race because I, um, you know, like that Cascades I had done, I'd done 12,500 feet in just 50 miles. Um, different animal. That That race was only four climbs. This was a lot of you know, smaller climbs, but definitely it added up for gear. I had the, uh, I've all of my races I've done in Hoka, um, speed goats prior to this. Uh, I finally switched it up. I went with the Stinson ATR, just kind of an all terrain. I figured, you know, there wouldn't be any slick rock or anything too crazy where I'd need all that grip from the speed goat. And, uh, the Stinson's definitely been, been good enough for some of my home trails here. So went with that. Um, let's see, they're kind of the F-350s of trail running. It's a lot of shoe. It's not, it's not a speed shoe, but, uh, they really protect your legs. You'd be, you'd be amazed how fresh your legs feel, uh, with these late in a race. Um, I use the Solomon five set for a vest uh you know two 500 ml bottles it's all you need you know most of these ultras you know there's eight stations every five to at most 10 miles so you know unless it's super super hot you're not going to run out of water um path projects i use their shorts and 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 liners kind of the two two system there i don't i don't like using uh typical running shorts with the embedded liner. I find uh, those are kind of crotch grabbers and just get some chafing there. So I recommend Path Projects. I use the Drymax socks. Um, these were the Ian Charman ones. I use a Patagonia Capiline, uh t-shirts. Um, those are my favorites. And run, uh, Rain Shadow Running gives those out. So I have a bunch of different, I think I've done five different Rain Shadow races. So I've got plenty of those. Uh, for nutrition, I use the goo gels and chews. Um, I get like a 40% discount through those guys. Uh, 
And so Doug and I started in wave starts once we got there. Uh, immediately we started climbing. The Badger Mountain is right away, 600 feet of elevation in the first mile. Uh, we climbed Badger Mountain. We settled in. And things went pretty smoothly. Uh, once we had climbed over the first two mountains and ran the flat section, we uh, we hit the endless vineyards, and then we finally came to the Jeep trails. These are kind of unlike anything I've seen in an ultra. It's a very fine sand. It's kind of like a moon dust, if I could describe it. And you you just have to bomb them. They're just so damn steep. But you also, you got to watch out for those rocks. Needless to say, by the time we got to around 20 miles in, it was time to change socks and wipe down the feet. Then up a very daunting straight up climb. For the life of me, I don't really know why I didn't grab my poles for this. I just had them sitting in my drop bag there on the below the mountain because um, I knew I would need them at some point. But uh, if I could redo it, I would grab those for that section. Um, it was pretty slow going at this point, and I was, uh, we had hooked up with um, another girl that we were running with uh, named Angela, and they were doing pretty good climbing this mountain. I was kind of slowing them down a little bit. Um, and then when you get to the top of this area, it's like almost like a boulder field along the top of this ridge, and you're up on this ridge for a long time, all the way out to this Butte aid station. Uh, it's called Chandler Butte. I'd been choking down the nutrition, um, as much food as possible, the typical stuff, gels, quesadilla, chips, bacon's always a winner. Uh, kept my energy levels pretty, pretty, um, pretty high, uh, but I'm just not as fast as Doug, and I felt like I was holding him back a bit. Um, we, we had made a pack to run this thing together and to finish our first 100 together. And uh, in the early goings of this race, I was holding him back a little bit. You know, he wasn't being annoying about it like like he could have, but he was like, come on, let's go, you know, that sort of thing. And uh, so I was. Pro it was probably good, as you'll find out later, that he was going a little slower than he probably would have liked. We worked our way back to the start-finish line at the 50-mile mark. And here it was now dark. I want to say we did it in about 13, 13 hours. So for a 32-hour cut, like we're in good shape, right? You know, 50 miles. Um, we're in really good shape here. Um, but, of course, you're going to slow down overnight and you're going to lose some time. Uh, but we definitely took our time at this aid station, uh, you know, grabbed an extra headlamp, Switched into our, our cold weather clothing because um, it was, you know, it gets down cold at night out there. You know, it's hot during the day. Oh, I failed to mention that uh, I definitely got roasted by the sun. There's just no hiding from it. I, I did, you know, put on some sunscreen, but of course probably didn't reapply enough and uh, um, definitely had some spots where I was I was definitely burnt already, you know, on the first day. Um, and so we got our, our night clothes on some, uh, North face tights and I had a couple, I had like a rain jacket and then, uh, Patagonia, uh, Houdini, which doesn't offer much, but I definitely layered up and I think I had a headband and gloves. So you definitely need all that stuff for the overnight at Badger. Cause 
you're going to get on top of these ridge lines and the wind just howls. It's pretty bad and pretty cold. And uh, Doug would definitely find that out. So we get all our stuff. We spent at least 30 minutes at this aid, by far the longest aid uh, that we did. 30 to 40 minutes, I would say. Um, I had been pretty hyped about this aid station because they were going to have pizza rolls. Well, I got the very last of the pizza rolls. <laughs> but this was probably like the, the um, kind of like our dinner. Like we, we needed to sit and eat a little bit and just kind of chill and compose ourselves for what we knew we had ahead of us. <clears throat> we settled into a slower pace at night, uh, leaving that 50-mile aid station. We were happy to just hike along. We probably should have run more through the uh, vineyards, that that's where you could really uh, pick up some time. Um, in fact, I saw Carl Meltzer coming back. Uh, he was way ahead of us. I think he ended up DNFing, but Meltzer was there. Um, I think he kicked a rock or something. He broke, you know, broke a toe or did something like that. But uh, he he was the big uh, star there. Got to got to get a look at Meltzer. Um, but yeah, if I could do it over again, I think those vineyards on the during the night shift there, um, that you got to run those. And so we gave up a bunch of time there. Uh, finally, we made it back to the big climb, McBee. This time, I grabbed my poles, and of course, I felt like a like I was a mountain goat or something. I had the four points of contact and just powered right up it. Um, you can use your upper body. Highly recommend on a climb like that using poles. Um, this is my first time in a race ever using poles, so definitely going to use that in my bag of tricks. <clears throat> I knew if I could get over this McBee Ridge, you know, that's about 70 miles in. If I could get over this hump, there was going to be nothing that could stop me. You know, that's what I'd been worried about after seeing it the first time. You know, if I could just get over that bad boy, um, I could get this thing done. We kept moving slowly out to the butte, but the wind was really whipping on top of that ridge, and uh, Doug was starting to falter a little bit. He, The cold was getting to him. Uh, he had made a poor choice on his gloves. Um, you know, he, for some reason, he hadn't taken any caffeine. Uh, I picked up some weak, weak coffee at the aid, but it, it did the trick. It warmed me up a little bit, and... Um, you know, I think if we could do it again, we'd probably both, you know, probably get into the caffeine a little earlier. Um, I definitely, uh, definitely felt like I needed some energy. I had a king size Snickers bar and, you know, that's the one with two pieces. And I just kind of gnawed on it because it was so damn cold up there. I had to like warm it up in my mouth. Um, but eventually I got it down and it gave me some pretty good energy. It was actually uh, this part after the rocky section is the the only single track in in the race, and you kind of you basically run down the the mountain through switchbacks and and singleback, and that uh, that's a fun part to run. Well, of course, you know, going along really well, and Doug needs to take a shit all of a sudden, so 
there's really nowhere to go. So he just pulls behind some sagebrush about five to eight feet off the trail, not far at all. And uh, I give him the code word if I, I'm sitting there at the, as the lookout and if anyone's coming and of course someone's coming. So I had to give him the code word. So he pulls up his pants and in doing so he, I think he gets a little uh, pee in his pants and uh, you know, it's cold. Um, it's getting to be early morning at this point, but it's still cold. And so he has to kind of waddle down uh, to the next aid. And, you know, I'm just hammering these, well, as much as you can hammer at this point, these uh, switchbacks and, and this down single track. That's kind of my jam. I'm good at going downhills. And uh, so I get to the aid station a few minutes before him. And he comes in and, you know, they're packing up this aid station. And I'm like, uh, are we that far behind? Like, what's going on? You know, and uh, we got I got some bad intel that, you know, oh, you know, some of these next aid stations are going to be packed up, too. And you guys got to get going. And but I mean, really, we didn't like they probably shouldn't have been packing up that aid station um, as far as like the race direction. That's the only thing I can. I can say is that they packed that thing up a little, little early because all the next ones were, were open and there was, there was no issues. So got a little bad intel there, but it really made us like pick up, you know, it's like, Hey, we got to go. And he really needed a chance to wipe off his feet and maybe get some new socks and get the sand out of our shoes from the, from the Jeep trails. And, but I, you know, we just couldn't, um, just, had to go and so um you know and he's got wet pants and so yeah he was miserable at this point so we're going through the jeep trails and we get back to the uh you know it's he's really slowed down at this point you know we're doing like 21 minute miles and the time's ticking away and i'm thinking oh boy this isn't this isn't good and so i'm trying to push him to to go go a little faster so now the tables have kind of turned. Now I'm the guy, you know, being a dick, telling him, let's go, buddy. Like, what, <laughs> what's going on? Um, and so finally we get to the point to enough, enough times kind of ticked off that, and we're just not, you know, we should be moving through this section pretty well. And, uh, so finally we get through that section. We're by the vineyards and, he, you know, we have the talk and he's like, just go save yourself. And, um, I am like, no, man, we're doing this together. We, you know, we got a pact. We're going to finish together. And I just wouldn't leave him. Uh, but time just kept ticking and ticking. And, and finally I'm looking at my watch and finally I'm like, you know what? I just got to go. I'm not going to, you know, and he kept telling me, just go, you know, He's like, my feet are bleeding. And I'm like, what? What are you talking about? He's like, look. And I think they were just like wet on his shoe, but he thought it was blood. Um, he was just in a rough spot. And so, you know, I had, I gave him my car key and, uh, cause I'd driven over and, and, uh, you know, I was thinking, you know, okay, well, I'm going to take off. And, but I was pretty emotional. And he, I think he was emotional. I think 
it, we were so damn tired and just so damn spent that, um, you know, and we'd put so much into the training and everything that, uh, you know, I was emotional. I tried to hide it and just get out of there. And, but I definitely, um, definitely had a little of the late ultra crazy emotions going for sure. And, uh, so I took off and thought, you know, there's no chance this dude's going to drop at the next aid station. He, you know, he'll be waiting for me at the finish, but you know, there's no chance that he'll, uh, he'll finish this thing. And so I just keep motoring on and, and get through and get through the second to last mountain. And I get to the very last mountain, which is Badger Mountain. It's a lot of switchbacks. And I'm getting up towards the top and I look down, you know, at some of the lower switchbacks. And I think I spot him. He somehow rallied. Um, I guess what happened was he, uh, was he got to that next aid station after we had the breakup talk. And they took off his shoes and looked at his feet and they're like, dude, you're fine. Like, what are you, your feet aren't bleeding. What are you talking about? Um, and they gave him a fresh pair of socks. He took some caffeine and it just lit a fire under his ass and he just took off. And I had a good lead on him, but he's a, a little stronger climber. And so, um, on those last two mountains, he was able to catch me, you know, on that final mountain. And, uh, so I look down there and I see him and, uh, you know, I'm like, Doug, is that you? <laughs> and he's, uh, he like raises his pole and kind of like, yeah. And he's just, you know, he's motoring past some of the 55 K guys. Like he's, he's doing really well. So, um, so I kind of slowed down a little bit. Not that I was moving very fast at this point, but you know, he catches me and, and we finish the climb together and all we got to do is descend this mountain now, bunch of switchbacks, but I am literally just gassed. Like I'm, I have no energy. <clears throat> I can't really take down food. The sun is just baking us for the second straight day. And, you know, I've got blisters. He's got blisters. I've got black toenails. He's got black, you know, we're, we're just in rough shape. Um, but he's got, you know, more energy. So he offers me a little bit of, he's got some, I don't know, honey stinger energy gels or something. And they've got caffeine in them, but I'm about caffeined out. I take a few. And we make our way down the mountain. And uh, he says to me that he has this vision that what's been kind of, you know, well, obviously he doesn't want to fail, but also he's got this vision that he uh, wants to get to that finish line and take off his shoes, uh, which have been causing him all sorts of issues. And he's going to spike his shoes like a football at the finish line. And so... Finally, we work our way to the very bottom of, of the, uh, the mountain and you can kind of see the, you can kind of see the finish line. You got to run around the outside a little bit, but, and then through a chute, well, we just go, we find just that extra little bit of whatever's left. And, uh, we thought we're like, well, maybe we can break 31 hours and, uh, we we just hammer the last little section and 
we do exactly that. You know, I put my poles in the air at the finish line and Doug's, you know, slams his shoes down like a football and the, uh, RD, uh, you know, he slaps, forcefully slaps these buckles into my hand. It actually kind of hurt. Thanks, Jason. Um, but we, uh, it was pretty epic and, uh, it was a hell of a way to get your first 100 miler in and do it with your buddy and do it together and, you know, go through the, the whole breakup and then get back together. Um, and, but my body was done. You know, we, we, I collapsed on the ground and I had been fighting some kind of imbalances in the, I was definitely favoring one side and, and, uh, slammed down on the ground and, and my body started repairing immediately. Um, some sweet little girl like brought us strawberry ice cream in a cup and it was super hot that day. And so that was very refreshing. Um, finally it was time to leave and Doug, uh, had to pull the car around because I was super limping at, by this point I could barely, barely stand. Um, So that is my story of the Badger Mountain 100 Challenge in Richland, Washington. It was a great uh, first 100-mile experience. I would recommend it. It's it's probably not a beginner 100, but um, if you've got some pretty good grit, you could definitely definitely get it done. And it kind of showcases eastern Washington uh, trail running. They've got a great running shop there, uh, where during the packet pickup and that sort of thing. And, uh, uh, I would recommend the race. As I said in our intro, I think we all can appreciate how Rory got <laughs> to the starting line of the Badger. Um, with COVID, races being shut down, deferrals, um, trying to sign up for races that were happening training, stopping training, which race am I doing? Um, it's been a wild, you know, almost two years, year and a half for everybody, um, with training and what races they're going to do and then being deferred and having the opportunity to maybe do races in 2021, but also having other races on the calendar. Um, it was a, tough time for everybody. Um, and it, it, I'm glad that Rory, you know, went through everything and decided to do a race with a friend and something more local to him. Uh, you know, I was at Kettle Moraine this year. It'd been nice to meet him if he went there, but I think he made the right decision in, in knocking this race out with a good buddy. Uh, and it sounds like, you know, the Eastern side of Washington, that more arid, smaller mountain. That's no joke. Um, if anyone's run in that kind of arid, mountainous desert landscape, no shade, it's rough. It's beautiful, absolutely beautiful. But um, you have to be prepared for that for sure. Um, the thing that I <laughs> absolutely love about this story is the breakup and and thinking you're you're on your own and your buddy getting the second win and just sending it to crush down and catching up with you uh you know it i i've had 
people ask me in the past and I've thought about it, running a hundred miler, miler with someone, I've had great mentors look at me and say, don't do it. Um, you're not going to be in the same place as your friend throughout the race. And if they're feeling good and they, they want to hold and you're holding them back or, um, vice versa, if you're feeling really good and they're in a low spot, it's just really hard to do. Um, and that breakup conversation has to be really tough. I don't know that I could, I could do it. I think I would probably end up stopping with the person. Um, and then maybe sacrificing my own race. So I've yet to do it. I know someday that I want to do it with Jamie, my wife. Um, but it makes it even harder when you go into the race doing it and then you have the breakup speech. You think your buddy's left for dead. And then next thing you know, there he is. <laughs> and, and you are you're back in the saddle together, right? Uh, the breakup's over. Um, we're back in the honeymoon and we're sending it down the last side of the mountain to finish together. Such a cool story. Um, even cooler that it was Rory's first 100 um, and he got it done. And the football spike of the shoes, I've never seen that. <laughs> but if I was sitting watching that at the finish line, I would have absolutely loved it. So Super cool, fun stuff. Um, definitely want to get out to the Washington, Washington, sorry, you guys probably heard my Warsh, that's a Missouri thing, um, area, Portland area, Oregon area to to run something big one of these days. And this one may be, may be on that list after a little research. So Rory, thank you so much for jumping in and sharing um, your story with us. Um, leading into that, thank you so much for jumping in and being a Patreon guest. That's one way you guys can find us and support us. Carrie Eldridge, a good buddy, jumping in and helping out as well. Thank you, Carrie. Scotty Coomer with 10 Junk Miles, Jack Rosenfeld with the Beer on the Run podcast. Both of those podcasts you guys should definitely be checking out. Um, Michael Truman as well. Thank you so much, Michael. Um, those are the ways you can help us with Patreon. Um, that that pays for a lot of the back-end stuff that isn't so fun to put this out, but it is greatly appreciated. And, you know, hopefully we can do some fun things for our Patreon um, members here soon. Uh, we've got some ideas in the works to to help you guys for helping us out. So thank you so much, Brian Scheidt, another Patreon supporter. So thank you guys so much. If you want to share your story like Rory, um, I have not met Rory. He shot me an email out of the dark and said he wanted to share a couple of reports. And I am so pumped on that. That is what we want from this. Um, I want people to know that they, this is the spot and anyone and everyone can send it five K's to ultras to two hundreds. Um, if you want to share your story, all it is is an email and a recorded audio file, and I'll take it from there. Um, so you can do that by shooting us an email at theenduranceHouse at gmail.com. Um, you can also do that through our Facebook page, The Endurance House Podcast, or The Endurance House Pod on Instagram. Shoot us messages on any of those platforms, and 
we will take it from there and share your story to the world. Um, I, I love that I get to listen to these firsthand and I love that what we're doing here is giving an opportunity for people to get their stories out in a podcast format where they're the stars. Um, and, and that's really what I believe we have here. So thank you guys for listening. Uh, we got some cool episodes coming up in the hopper. I actually have a race this weekend, so I will be doing my own race report here soon as well. And until next time, keep training, keep staying positive. Thank you guys for listening.